0: Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linke. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linke. Logan, everybody. Dean
1: Linke, so great to be with you, especially this time of the year, but especially because of this show. It makes me be a little bit more reflective, I think, and even more appreciative of the incredible platform that I've been given. I am grateful to the United Soccer Coaches indeed for letting me be the host of the United Soccer Coaches podcast and letting me talk to people that are doing great things in the game of soccer, which is obviously one of my true loves, short of my own family, which kind of makes sense as today's show will be a whole lot about family. Incredible families, in fact, intriguing families, neat families, uh, families that are awesome and special. So let's do this. And if you can, stay with me on this one. This show is an hour long, I think. There's two great interviews here, really cool interviews. So, as you know, I call a lot of games, and uh, I love calling college soccer. It's like, I just love it. And I did my 13th Big Ten tournament this weekend in Maryland, College Park, where there's always a great atmosphere. And I always feel like I've got the best seat in the house, and I'm blessed to be able to call these games and tell the stories of the players and sometimes even better stories come out of it. And in the case of the final, Indiana, of course, you know, I love the Godfather and Todd Yeagley and the great Hoosiers. They won the Big Ten Championship. And of course, Michigan, Shaka Daly's done an amazing job in Michigan in eight seasons, replacing Steve Burns. who did a great job starting that program. You've heard me talk about that as well. Well, Andrew Verdi was the starting goalkeeper for Michigan. He went out against Wisconsin in steps O-infinity as a freshman. And that makes you want to know more about Owen Finnerty. And thanks to John Trask, the head coach of Wisconsin, he told me about the incredible story of Owen's dad, who is known as the Goose, Brian the Goose Finnerty. And you'll hear why he's named the Goose, uh, three different reasons why, and all three of them are really, really cool, uh, intriguing, neat. And he's going to tell the story of how he broke in as a goalkeeper with Eric Quinault and Marcelo Balboa and took San Diego State all the way to the NCAA championship game in 1987. He got a break. When the goalkeeper got hurt, he stepped in and, Ended up having a great career. Now he's done amazing things around the game. He's got a beautiful indoor center in Canton, Michigan. And now he's got two twin boys, one that's playing out at Caltech and one that's starting for Michigan in goal. And Michigan got a top 16 seed. So they'll await their winner, and they'll play on Sunday. And Owen Finnerty will be in goal. His dad is the goose. The goose. Brian, the goose Finnerty. He's up first. And then Dean Koski. So... I'm calling a Lehigh versus Virginia Tech basketball game in between the Big Ten tournament. And I don't get a whole lot of notice for the game. And I'm like, ooh, I got to I gotta know what I'm talking about here, right? Like when I do a broadcast, I'm all in. I want to know what's going on and who's good and who's not good and what are the stories and what are the coaches' philosophies. And I know I'm going to have access to Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech asked me to do the game, but I need access to Lehigh. So I think Lehigh, I think one thing, Dean Kosky. I think back to the NSCA Game of the Week on Fox Soccer, Lehigh Bucknell, Brendan Nash, and the fact that their coach is Dean Kosky, 28 seasons, 246 wins. And so I reach out to Dean and say, hey, Dean, I just got this game, Lehigh versus Virginia Tech on the ACC Network, and I want to know what I'm talking about. And he's like, no problem. I'll hook you up. And of course, their coach, I mean, he coached C.J. McCollum. He beat Duke as a number 15 seed in the NCAA tournament. Dr. Brett Reed, amazing guy. His dad was a coach, actually, ironically, from Michigan, as, as if you can't make this up. And Dean hooks me up. Dr. Brett Reed calls me, gives me all the details on Lehigh, good basketball program and it was just amazing to connect. Well, while we do that, Dean tells me, I say, how's it going? He's like, well, it's pretty cool. You know, I got four boys now. So a lot's happened, Dean, since you last saw me. I got four boys. One of them's an assistant coach on the team. And uh, one of them scoring goals and winning games in the Patriot League and Patriot League tournaments. Another one is uh, essentially a redshirt this year, but he'll play next year. I got another one that's a senior goalkeeper and it's awesome right you think about it their wife lisa he met through soccer and they got alec trevor spencer and blake blake could start in goal next year and lehigh plays pittsburgh tonight in the ncaa tournament they won the patriot league went undefeated they won the patriot league tournament and they're in and he's got four boys that are going to be on the team in some form it's just incredible 28 seasons there. Now all four of the Koski boys are playing or coaching for Lehigh. Yeah, you're going to like it. Uh, stay with me on this one. You're going to like it. You're going to like the Goose, Brian Finity, and you're going to like Dean Koski and his amazing family. And we're going to hear from the Goose, and then we're going Dean Koski after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap.
2: Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help with team snap you can get it their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication registration scheduling and more plus everything you need is online which means no more trips to the bank no more lost checks and no more colossal spreadsheets bring your club or league into the 21st century with team snap go to teamsnap.com to learn more now here's dean
3: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap. Dean Linky with you. As I told you, coming on the air, we're going to tell stories. We're going to reflect on the history of soccer and we're going to move it forward as we're dads watching our kids as well. And I'll explain what I mean as we break it down. If you've listened to my show over the years, you've heard Eric Small on the program. You've heard Marcelo Balboa on the program. Alexi Lalas, Tony Miola, you know how I like to go old school during my time in 94, and you've also heard me talk a lot about my kids and how much I enjoyed talking about other people's kids, particularly on the air. Well, I got to do that on Sunday, as I called for the 13th state year, the Big Ten Men's Soccer Tournament. And before I went on the air, I made a mission to go over and find – the father of Owen Finnerty, who is now the starting goalkeeper for the University of Michigan. He is known as Brian Finnerty, but he's also known as the Goose. We're going to get into that because that's also as good as it gets. And we might be going to all kinds of places because this man is fascinating. His family's fascinating. And he even did cool things like propose to his wife on an indoor soccer field, which is pretty cool. We'll get to that as well. Brian the Goose. Finerty, who was in goal when San Diego State made it to the
4: 1987 College Cup Final, right Goose, the final? Final against Clemson, so yeah, uh, at Clemson, great uh, great ride to get there and clearly something uh, you know, if you've ever been attached to any sport, you get a chance to play in the pinnacle game for uh, as a collegiate athlete, something I'll never forget.
3: So you just heard the voice of the Goose as he's known, Brian the Goose Finnerty, his son well, he's got twin sons. They're both good soccer players. Owen infinity he was spectacular. Heartbreak City, obviously losing to Indiana. Michigan dominated in the second half. I can even say that with the Yaglies listening. I think they'll agree. And then you've got another
4: son playing at Caltech, right? Joshua, is that his name? Yeah, Josh is out uh, in the wonderful state of California, my home state, and playing out in Caltech and enjoying a bunch of sunshine.
3: So, first off, let's go back to those days, and then we'll, we'll fast forward. But... You grew up in San Diego. You end up at San Diego State. Eric Winalda and Marcelo Balboa, as you know, two of the all-time icons. But, Goose, you had a pretty good career as well. Let's go ahead and get to the Goose story, and then we'll fast forward to San Diego State. But let's tell everybody why they call you Goose at at three different levels.
4: Yeah, I I wish there was something really uh, awesome about it, but it started out as uh, me being a bit of a a round mount of rebound as a kid, as a little, (laughs) little husky as my mom would say, and I waddled like a goose and, uh, I had a great German coach growing up and it, there were a lot of things that he had uh, nicknames for and one of them was me as a goalkeeper. So he called me Goose. And, uh, yeah, when I, all the way up until I left, uh, youth soccer and went to San Diego State, that was, uh, even though I grew my junior year of high school and finally pinned out a little bit, it, uh, it just happened to stick.
3: So that's the start though, but l- and let me tell you folks, if you meet him, you know that he does not look like a goose. He's a, He's a good-looking guy. He's got good-looking kids, a beautiful wife. So he gets to San Diego State, and just like his son, so just so everybody knows, Andrew Verde was the goalkeeper of the year of the Big Ten. He goes out with an injury. Very next game, they play their arch rival, Michigan State. Owen steps in. I had that game as well. He was brilliant. And now they rode Owen all the way to the Big Ten final, and they just got seated in the NCAA tournament. So during this time at San Diego State, the same thing happened, right? The starting goalkeeper got hurt, and you went in the next game, San Diego, right?
4: Yeah, playing behind a great goalkeeper, Felipe Hernandez. And I'll be honest with you, never a sniff of probably seeing the pitch playing behind him. Uh, happy to just be in the number two spot. And unfortunately, Felipe goes down with a broken leg. I come in and clean up the rest of that game. Uh, thankfully, we win. So Coach Clegg says, might as well stay with what's working. We play against the University of San Diego uh, in our next game, which just like the Michigan-Michigan State is our cross rival. We beat them 2-0, which ironically was the same score that Owen uh, had in his first down rival game. You can't make this stuff up. And, uh, yeah, went on to win all the rest of the games except for the very last game of the year against UCLA, which we were already on the bubble. Back then there were only 24 teams that made the tournament. Uh, we were very fortunate to have made the last team. We were the 24 team to make the tournament. So we played out of conference every game, uh, beating St. Louis, and then in penalty kicks against SMU at SMU, then at UCLA uh, at UCLA, then we went to the the College Cup Final Four that was being held at Clemson, and we beat Harvard in penalty kicks, and then uh, went on to lose to Clemson in the final. So quite a run coming off of just uh, you know getting a fill in spot after a goalkeeper breaks his leg. That's
3: incredible, and then to to see Owen and obviously he was on the wrong side of it, but he still made a, a big time save, but then to see him go to penalty kicks against Indiana, I mean the ties that bind, they don't they don't end there. But during that time, Top Gun comes out and you're the man now, right? I mean and Ronaldo Balboa and now Brian Finnerty, you're the man so the goose comes back, right? Because in Top Gun, they called that guy Goose, so the goose came back, right?
4: Yeah, it did, and and what the, the short funny story is I hadn't heard that nickname in a while, but uh, I I had my head shaved pretty high in sight, and it was bleached blonde, uh, my mm-hmm. mom being a hairdresser. So I had a flat top, and with SDSU carved in the side of one side of my head and number one on the other side, <laughs> and with the sort of the bleak blonde haircut and probably, you know, tan skin and, uh, unfortunately probably thinking I was cooler than I was, I, I did re grab the moniker of Goose from Top Gun and, uh, and also had a nice little run there at San Diego State with a bunch of shutouts. So, you know, the, the plan words was Goose for Goose Eggs and, uh, yeah, it's just the legacy continued. And so, and then you kept it going because,
3: Obviously, there was no Major League Soccer. I mean, it was before the the right time, right, Goose? And so indoor soccer was very popular. And you end up in Detroit Rock City, which is also dear to my heart because I'm from Toledo, Ohio. I grew up as a Tigers and Pistons fan, and I had no idea that you were there as well. So you end up in Detroit. And you became pretty iconic there as, as well, right? You played there a long
5: time.
4: Yeah, I was very fortunate. played 10 years here with the Illich family as the ownership, which was fantastic. Finished my last year in Buffalo, New York, uh, under Mr. Belante, who was a great owner as well. But, yeah, 10 years here. And actually when, when I came here, I was drafted by San Diego and then traded to Detroit, to your point, before MLS was around, so it was the MISL, and uh, brought in to be a backup goalkeeper. And the first game at home, we got a sellout crowd, uh, we were then playing at Cobo Arena, so 10,000 people. inaugural game, being number 22, I was introduced somewhat near the end. And when you're back in the tunnel, you can't you can't hear everything that's going on, you know, on the field. So you just wait for them to the guys with the headset to push you out. And apparently, the the media director had contacted the sports information director at San Diego State, looking for any background information or, in this case, silly nicknames, which I did not think would travel with me. And as I'm running out of the tunnel, um, all I can hear is what I thought were boos. And uh, I was going down the line high-fiving my teammates, and it got louder and louder. Obviously, if you follow baseball here, Goose Cossage is a great player. And so the goose sounded like boos. And as I got to the end of the line of my teammates, I said, man, they must really hate guys from California. And the guy <laughs> next to me, you dumb idiot, they're saying goose, goose. And I just started laughing because I really thought I was being booed through my introduction to the home crowd. So, uh, yeah, the goose thing sucked. Uh, I ended up getting to start a couple of games into my rookie year, and thankfully played the most minutes of any player in MIFL, uh goalkeeper of any any goalkeeper in MiFL history, and had uh, six seasons straight starts with no no games off, no time off. So, yeah, I was really fortunate to get a lot a of, lot of games here, a lot of minutes, and. Play in front of some fantastic people here in Detroit. In every game, you would hear the goose, right? Yeah, I mean the 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 uh, promotions department even went as far as one of our promotional nights was actually goose calls, uh, at, you know, free with entry. And so, rather than saying goose, they would blow these goose calls, and uh, it you know a lot of quacking in the stands and chuckles from uh, my teammates, as you'd imagine. So um, it, it had a life of its own. It worked and uh, there there were billboards and and all kinds of stuff so you know i i was rolling with the punches and, and couldn't be happy to have been here
3: so you're a san diego like the way i picture it kind of a san diego surfer dude you make that great run you end up in detroit rock city blue collar hard place where you still have those midwestern values they're passionate they fall in love with the goose you fall in love with the city And is that where you met your wife as well?
4: No, ironically, she's also from Santa Barbara and and Hawaii, where she grew up. And we we met each other at San Diego State. So we were college sweethearts towards the end of uh, my time there, my junior and senior year. And like any wise uh, young lady who is very good-looking and brilliant, when I got drafted by San Diego, it was euphoric. We're going to be here together. And then I got traded to Detroit, and she said, well, why don't you go there for a year? And I'll stay here, and you just let me know how it works out. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yeah, halfway through that season, uh, and you kind of alluded to it in the beginning, I realized I couldn't live without her, and uh, probably the only way I was going to get her to even think about coming to Detroit, because they had already uh, optioned the next year of my contract, was to ask her to marry me. I was madly in love with her and still am after 29 years. And, uh, yep, she said yes in front of 10,000 people. How could she say no, Right. And so I got down on one day at halftime, and um, she thought she was coming out to help me receive a Player of the Month award, and we've got an announcer. It's got live TV. All uh, three networks were there. And as I've got my gold gloves on, and I'm fumbling with this box, hoping that she'll kind of get the hint, she's looking com- totally confused, like, why am I even standing here? And finally, the announcer, uh, Steve Corby from Fox Radio, says, hey, maybe you can help him open the box. And so I'm thinking, okay, now she's going to open the box. And, oh, my gosh, she opens the box, and she turns to me, and she said, you get this for player of the month? <laughs> oh, boy. And Courtney says, you better get down on one knee, buddy. So I got down on one knee and asked her, and she uh, willingly said yes. And back in the tunnel was like, what in the hell are you doing? So I'm married after all these years, and uh, clearly soccer is in our blood. So as the boys continue that legacy and tradition, you know, it was fitting that she said yes in the middle of a soccer field in front of ten thousand people. And goose,
3: did you win the game? Do you even remember if you
4: won the game? You know, we did not actually win the game. I do remember because we were up sizably at half, and uh, I had a bit of a shocker in the second half. So I think our coach Brian Tinian, would have said best bet would have been to sub me out at halftime and send me on my way for the evening. But uh, no, I, I I did bring my best off the second half, and we ended up losing on a last minute shot. Uh, the Baltimore, well, it, so yeah. You know go. what, you won, you won the ultimate
3: game, though, you know what I mean? You won the most important game, right? She said yes. That's right. Yeah, and then um, you went on to some great stuff. Now, before we get to your boys, you really did go on to some great stuff, though. You are, um, and I know you're a humble guy, but you've been uber successful, and you've got, I think, a fantastic indoor center, and you invested in cell phone business and stuff. Tell us about your incredible success, because...
4: I know you're a rockstar success there in Detroit. I appreciate that. I, you know, you and I have talked off uh, a line about this as well. The indoor soccer facility that Denise and I opened up, which we still own today, was really a legacy project. But fundamentally, it's 220,000 square foot indoor sports facility. Um, ironically, we don't cater to the u- uber high end, uh, cutthroat sports world that we're all, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, accustomed to. Uh, we really believe that the laughter and the fun of the game, uh, regardless of the game, soccer, basketball, football, whatever it may be, is the ultimate decider of, of what we should do. And so our belief is we run the cleanest facility in the business, all of our games start on time, and the referees are always organized, sanctioned, and trained. And as simple as that might sound, it doesn't happen everywhere. And we believe that the safety of the players comes first, and the environment for them should be fun. And it was really a bit of a petri dish that... We found that as our staff believed in that mission and that we knew that building high-performing teams was kind of in our DNA, that uh, we were able to take that into other businesses and grow them and, in some cases, sell them, uh, in other cases, merge them into other businesses. So, yeah, we, we've been very, very fortunate in just kind of leaning on that simple premise that high-performing teams love the fact that they're bringing value, and when you keep it simple, it just works. And. Uh, We've been able to do that over and over, so it's been really good. And even as you're selling those other businesses, you still have this incredible center, right? So tell
3: us where it's located, what city, what's the address, because I want to go check it out, and uh, I definitely want to promote it as well, particularly since it's part of the principle of everything else you've done.
4: Yeah, so High Velocity Sports in Canton, Michigan, You know, easy to find on the web, www.hvsports.com, like highvelocitysports.com. Uh, We're only two minutes off the uh, 275 interstate there, so you'd be familiar with that on your way down to Toledo or the way up from Toledo. And um, we're really in the heart of the the blue-collar world of our Ford and and GM and Chrysler employees that are in that area. Um, We're surrounded by great people that, that just love sports. They certainly helped give us a leg up after we retired and had to kind of decide, go back to California or stay here. And overwhelmingly, we were asked to, you know, kind of stay and reinvest in our community from a sports perspective. So, yeah, Hydroxy's been great, and uh, and we couldn't be more proud of our staff there. And, and going on almost 20 years of continuing the legacy work, we're the number one facility in the Midwest from our scholarship program and what we give back to kids and families that can't afford the pay-to-play model. And um, through the couple of other businesses that you mentioned, we've been able to form a nonprofit called Opportunity Feed Foundation, which is solely focused on that being the seed to a start for players or families that are quite frankly uh, left out of the whole pay-to-play model regardless of their sport. And so our goal is to help work with schools, communities, and sometimes organizations that, again, just address the problems, whether it be curriculum, uh, it could be equipment, it could be any number of things. And that's the reason why we build businesses is to make sure that if they grow and sell, all of those proceeds go back into Opportunity Seed Foundation. So, yeah, we, we've been very blessed in this journey, and sport is at the lifeblood, and neither one of my wife or I grew up in a data play model, and so we, we know we won't alleviate it, and that's probably an entire other show that, that could be done on it or two, but we certainly want to know that we're a part of addressing it in uh, whatever community, and it just so happens in the Walden Lake, Wolverine Lake, in Oakland County, uh, we're, we're trying to help in any way we can wow how cool is that the man they
1: call the goose just when you think that's as cool as it gets you hear the rest of the story we'll be back with more from the goose brian finnerty
0: Registration is now open for the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Make your plans to join us January 15th through the 19th for five days of coaching education, networking, meal and social functions, award presentations, and more. Register before December 11th to secure the best rate. Visit UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org to learn more. The United Soccer Coaches Convention, your event for all things coaching. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick
2: Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals
1: Welcome back to United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap. I hope you're enjoying getting to know Brian the Goose Finnerty. If you didn't know his story before, hopefully you're enjoying it now. I certainly am and certainly enjoy the fact that I'm going to get to see his son play, hopefully for a few more years at Michigan. No doubt he's a prime-time goalkeeper, so he'll be able to play professionally like his dad, perhaps, and go on to do great things like his dad, perhaps. And before we get to Owen and Josh and how proud you are as a dad, you've got to be pretty proud as well. We said earlier you were teammates with Eric Winalda and Marcelo Balboa. That's probably pretty cool to, for you, I think, Goose, to see what they've done and did, right?
4: You know, it is an interesting journey because when they're your peers, you know how good they are from just being in the soccer world, whether it's through at that time ODP and some Olympic national teams at the youth level And so, you know, when they come in to join your team, you're feeling like, okay, you know, yeah, these guys have something really special, and it's very motivational as well. But then as you see them just continue to flourish, and you realize that what you were seeing was not even a half-full tank. They had so much more. Yeah, I'm just in awe, especially when you brought up 1994, being here in Detroit. We were very fortunate to have the game here at the Pontiac Silverdome and to watch Eric and... Marcelo play at that level it was incredible you know I'm still in awe of being around guys like that and Al Whittemore and and Chris Keenan and the like that uh, and I could go down the list just a number of quality players and then certainly with Marcelo and and Eric you know the best of the best pretty awesome stuff yeah that's so cool so I was the best
3: officer of that team and it's just I don't know I believe in karma I believe in good things because I wanted to walk across that field to find you. But even even this little thing, you'll get a kick out of this. And I love the fact that you've been married 29 years. I've been married 25 years. I met my wife during the World Cup. First time I met Marcelo Balboa was in Colorado Springs when I was still in college working for U.S. soccer. And I would actually go to Old Chicago a lot for their deepest pizza. And I'm telling you, it probably was eight or nine times always sitting in Old Chicago, in Colorado Springs, ironically, was Goose Gossage. And I would sit and talk to Goose Cottage all the time. And the fact that they they call you Goose and you know him, and it was the same time I saw my son about. it's kind of it's kind of nuts. That might be a stretch to some people, but to me, like it all makes sense. Really, you know, as you kind of circle back. And then the way you, when I read about your emotion seeing your son play, you know, against the local pro team there in Detroit, and then also being with Eric and the emotion that it brings, I can relate to that as well. And now he's the starting goalkeeper for the Michigan Wolverines, and the other one is out at Caltech. Just talk about what it's meant to you to see them go through that process, be recruited, decide to play, and then, as we talked about earlier, I mean, Owen kind of
4: totally doing everything you did, right? It's just crazy. Yeah, that's probably a great word. I mean, there's maybe if my uh, vocabulary was bigger, I'd think of more important ones. But crazy is a great way to describe it because – when you follow the journeys, and, and Owen said it best, uh, when he was coming out of the game against Maryland, he had a, a big save to kind of preserve the win, the win last time we were there. And he said, Dad, after, and he was obviously very excited, but um, he said, Dad, after all your crazy stories about your time in college and what it meant and those journeys the games, and there's a finality to college because the, your roster expires every year the games have so much because they are only that year, versus professionally, players stay for extended periods of time. And uh, I was obviously telling him through stories that those games are they are priceless, and they're things you need to just, like, click your eyes and, and take a snapshot, right? And I think he was starting to realize this is what it's about. Like, it's, it is that magical. And the fact that he's doing it, uh, in fact, that both my twin boys are playing – uh competitively in college yeah it's crazy it's you, you couldn't script it right you just introduce them to it you hope they fall in love with it and when they do and, and then end up getting a chance to to be a part of something like that it's uh, it's pretty unique and pretty cool and it's can't miss right you heard me say
3: earlier that i i actually built my broadcast schedule around my son's basketball games because watching them play was so uplifting I mean, as you sit there and think about how much fun it was for you to play all the way into the College Cup Final, how much fun it was for you to come out of the tunnel and have them say goose and have that great run in the MISL, i got to believe you're going to tell me it's even more fun watching your kids have
4: success out on the field. A hundred percent, right? And it, and it is because it's, a, it's an affirmation as a parent that they are thriving and they're excited, whether Owen was playing a minute this year or not, uh, you know, I, I'm fortunate to get on the phone with him and, and Josh as well. Uh, playing is the pinnacle. That's fantastic. But being around those guys, being around another mentor in their life as a coach who's going to pour into them for the next four, four years as a parent, that, that's what you want. And you want to know they're happy and that you've, you know, helped them get to that part, but, but then this is theirs. So to see them on the field, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, I'd go back and give a lot to someone said you could have one or the other. I, I'm I'm totally thrilled being right where I'm at right now, man. It's, I cried like a baby during each of their first games <laughs> on the field. Very blessed to be at both of them. And uh, I'm sure there'll be more tears to come because it is. uh I am just super proud of them and, and so excited for them.
3: Well, and I feel like... Based on what I've seen out of Michigan, I wouldn't be too surprised if I see you in Kerry, North Carolina. I mean, soccer's a tricky game, kind of like you saw against Indiana. It's kind of cruel. But uh, certainly, I think you've been around soccer long enough and at a high level <laughs> with some great, great players. I think you know what I'm talking about. Michigan has a good enough team to make it to the College Cup, Goose.
4: Yeah, I mean, certainly I don't believe in jinxes. Um, I think they have a, a fighting chance, and my wife and I were, we opened up the bracket after watching the NCAA show uh, this afternoon at one. And my, the words out of my mouth were, damn, we got a hard bracket. You look at, you got IU and Maryland, and you got uh, Kentucky. I mean, it's like, wow, and this is super hard. And Denise said very wisely, uh, scroll up a little bit on the page. Look at the top left. Look at the top right. Look at the bottom right. And it's like, man, there's a lot of great teams. Um, and then you can't discount the teams that are here for the first time. Because sometimes, like San Diego State, we hadn't been back in 40-some years, maybe like Pitt, you know, they don't know any better. They don't know any any teams that they never beat, quote-unquote, or why they shouldn't be there. And so I, I think it's just exciting time to be in soccer, and I think Michigan's got a really, really nice blend of uh, players that play for each other Uh, We certainly got to see that as a Big Ten, and and you got to call those games. I mean, all four teams that were in the final, and and I could have said this about every one of them, really have this. There's no chippiness between the teammates on the field. I don't see guys getting disgruntled on the bench. Uh, I'm pretty close to what's going on at Michigan, and I know even the guys that probably will end up redshirting this year, they train just as hard on a Monday or Tuesday as the starting guys are playing on a Saturday. And that is just super exciting to see as a parent. Ex coach, I'm sure Shaka Daly and his coaching staff would be saying the same thing. Like it's a, it's a pretty special bunch, and I, I think they do have an absolute fighting chance to be there.
3: Yeah, you know, and I appreciate that answer because really, the, a better way of, for me saying it is just the real, the overall appreciation of college soccer because I love the sport, right? And uh, I know, and I can tell based on what you're doing, even with your indoor center there. Uh, the notion of, you know, less about pay-to-play and enjoying it and it being right and that type of thing. I think you also appreciate the values of college soccer because it sounds like Owen would be plenty good enough to go ahead and sign a pro contract now, but you see value in the sport, right?
4: Well, I see value in the sport. Uh, I see value. I can obviously only speak to uh, Shaka Daly and and Tommy and Johan and, and Justin and his, the, his entire staff. That goes all the way down into our training staff and nutritionists and the, the weight training team. Um, I, you know, I, I think as a young man being surrounded by other men that are pouring into his life, uh, I think that's important. Not that he wouldn't get that in a professional environment, but just as his father, Owen would probably disagree with me, um, I think that's necessary. And so I believe in it from a college perspective and I know they're not all like that. Some are turn and burn. Some are chew them out and uh, chew them up and spit them out. They're not all perfect. Um, but I do believe that that finding the right environment for your son or your daughter in college sports um, absolutely has its place, and and there is time to turn pro after that because, as I'm certainly a byproduct of it, and Eric Winaldo and Marcelo will tell you the same thing, the game does end. Uh, Tony Melo would tell you the same thing, and so would Alexi. The game does end, and not all of us are fortunate enough to end up where you guys sit, and that's calling the game, which is a pretty awesome space. Most of us, Have to look at the second part of our lives, being a professional and doing things that matter. And so, I think that those college years um, are a great investment of that, because then there is what's next, and you're not limited to, hey, I played three years of a let's say a lower level professional, made some made some bucks, but now my only option might be just to you know hook on with a team or who knows where. I think it's always nice when these kids have options and where the college game is going, uh, where Sasha and his group, as they've uh, proposed to make this a year-round possibility, even gives them a greater opportunity to be a student athlete, uh, which just, I think, bodes well for both the game and the kids. So, yeah, I, I could go on and on. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic environment. And and I'm a byproduct of it uh, 30 years ago. So, you know, it was as true then as it is now today.
3: As you know, um, Goose, and I appreciate you recognizing it, m- one of my favorite parts about calling the college game is telling stories and keeping people engaged, and your story was fascinating. I was drawn like a magnet to come over there and talk to you. I got to ask you, because I loved your little nugget on your, your son, Owen, saying, Dad, you told me all these crazy stories, and now I'm kind of in it. Does your son know that we were able to tell the story about the Goose and, and get it on the air on Sunday? Does he know that we were able to do that?
4: He does now, but only because he went back and watched it. So I honestly didn't tell him about uh, any of this because he likes to go back and watch film anyway. So he does that on his own. But I got a text about—I could tell where he was in the broadcast. Like, yeah, they're they're talking about you right now. And I said, yeah, I know. I, I listened to it earlier. So yeah, he he knows he knows now that uh, the story has been unveiled for sure. So you you got to know that. You know, for me, like
3: it's those are the kind of stories I live for. So the minute I'm back, I'm like, guys, we're getting this story in, no matter what. And you know, granted, it's a championship game, and so they're like, all right, Dean, we just got to make sure we get all the billboards in. We got to get all this in. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna sit on it. I'm gonna be quiet for a little bit. But uh, second half, this is happening. And of course, they tried. They tried to find you, and they, you know, they, they didn't find you on the broadcast, you know. So I, I tried to cover that up. They showed somebody else. You know, when they flashed to the crowd. I don't know if you watched how I kind of like tried to clean that up or whatever, but there was no way, Goose, that we weren't going to tell the story because that's what makes the world go round, right? And, and you right down to the core, including dropping to your knee to propose to your wife and leaving San Diego to live in Detroit Rock City and doing what you do. Like, I'm telling you, those are the kind of stories that, that move, well, they move me anyway. Hopefully they move other people as well.
4: Well, they do, uh, you know, and and I've I've got a, a good couple that that I mentored when they were younger, and was fortunate enough to preside over their wedding of all things, and and the husband who is a smoke jumper, uh, man of all men, I would tell you doesn't really ever want to probably say that he even talked the word soccer uh, for all the negative connotations, unfortunately, the game sometimes gets. Uh, tuned into your broadcast to, to watch uh, his wife was watching Owen play uh, because we're family friends. And because of that story and those kinds of stories and the way that I think you guys bring people into the game, you turned a would never watch soccer person into, and he literally said, I am hooked not just for U of M soccer, but of watching soccer. And his caveat was as long as people talk about the story of the game. And again, this is coming from a manly man uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but to your point, it's, uh, if we're really going to expose the next generation about the game and the current generation about the history of the game and what's going on, I think these types of things open up the thinking to that, and I, I really do appreciate it because it, it's working, obviously.
3: I like that so you were so receptive to me coming over and, and telling the story, and it was actually great to meet your wife afterwards to tell me that her phone was blowing up and stuff, you know, because – uh I love hearing that uh, people are engaged and, and watching it and enjoyed it because there was no way that I wasn't not going to let the goose get out of there, you know. The goose has got to get out. <laughs> do people still call you the goose, Brian,
4: everywhere? I wouldn't say everywhere, clearly, but uh, whenever I do hear that word, I know it's a good friend. Uh, it used to be, you know, 20 years ago right after retiring, if anybody said Brian, I didn't turn around because I figured they didn't know me. So as probably all good things uh, maybe come to an end. but. Certainly with all the teammates, and I'd say in the sports world around here in Detroit, um, I, I, I just can't say enough, and you know that from growing up in Toledo, that the Midwest and Detroit for sure is such a great sports town, and, and they really do um, – they're very loyal, loyal, loyal fans, uh, probably to a fault sometimes, but there are plenty of people that still – even when I'd go to Owens games at Detroit City FC and just a happy, cheering fan, I, at five, six times a game someone would come up, Most most of the time a dad, are you Goose? Are you Owen's dad? Because I watched you play in Detroit, man. You know, so, it's, yeah, it lives, which is still pretty funny.
3: Yeah, the Goose lives. I guess finally to to wrap it up, and, and you're right, there's so many um, sort of off stories on, on what you're doing there. Um, I do want to have you back because I want to learn more about what you guys are doing with the, the, you know, for lack of a better word, scholarship and helping people find the right way in this crazy pay-to-play world. I love that story, Goose. I mean that sincerely. I think you know that. One, please tell me you'll come back again so we can talk more more about that part of the world. You will, right? Absolutely. Would love to. Okay. And then second, kind of tying it back together, to United Soccer Coaches, you know, every year the convention gets together and that's where you see Marcelo and Eric Bonalda and all these guys and I don't know if you've ever been but i got to believe you know enough about formerly NSCAA and United Soccer Coaches to know that it's been an incredible unifier for soccer in this country.
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've had the good fortune of going there as part of Eric's group, uh, you know, looking at some of the reform on the government side of U.S. soccer. I was there the year before that as a Coach of the Year, uh, from the, the Midwest and had been there plenty of years before that, both just as an interested sports facility owner and obviously ex soccer guy. That, um, it's not only unifying, it's, it's, a little bit of a reunion. Um, that those two things not, are not always connected. Um, I look at what Jerry Yegley and the IU guys have done with their, um, alumni group that meets every year. I got to do that with Chris Keenan and, and, um, Johnny Trask one year and meet uh, Coach Yegli Sr. What an honor. So, yeah, just there's so many interesting things all the way down to the new products that uh, are part of the show itself on that side that it is a very unifying thing. And I think as, as you know, as disoriented as soccer gets uh, certainly a rough name for in the U.S., um, on that side of the front, it, it unifies us and gets us all kind of thinking about what's best for the game. Goose, you're the man. I will say this. I'm going to have you help me with the segue because
3: you're my lead off uh, because your story is fascinating. But next, I'm going to go to Dean Koski, who's the longtime coach at Lehigh, always played really good soccer in the Patriot League. And we've been talking about how much fun we've had watching our kids. And you've been able to see Owen almost duplicate what, what you did um, as a superstar and, and re engage the name. Goose, Dean Kossi's got three of his kids playing on his team, scoring goals, helping him win games. I mean, are you kidding me? His own kids that he's coaching at the college level—that takes it to a whole other level, right, Goose?
4: Well, it not only takes us to another level; it—he's it, uh, certainly got to be having a wife as a saint because uh, that's going to be some damage control when things get home. And I know that from coaching both my boys. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, I mean that—that that, uh, yes. Super hard to manage. I know, probably for his boys, you know, there's nothing like being the coach's kid, and there's the there's a balance you got to have there. But what a, what a dream, what a gift, and uh, obviously to have them playing at, at that high of a level and contributing and being part of the program. I mean, that's uh, what an awesome thing.
3: Folks, check this out. By the way, if you Google the Detroit News, Google Goose Finnerty, The headline says Finnerty family sees soccer legacy remain in safe hands. And it will also tell a lot of the story that we just told here as well, put in written words, including what I love, the one quote when you say, I'm watching my son play with DCFC thinking, my goodness, man, I feel super old. Also, I was just crying like a baby when he came out to play. And my wife nudged me like, what in the world is wrong with you? And I'm looking at the people here, the fans that come out to what's not even really designed to be a soccer stadium. support. This is what we started here 20 years ago. This is unbelievable. Goose, having met you, I feel that. Right there, I feel you talking to me, and uh, it's just been an honor to get to know you, and uh, I can't wait to keep calling your son over the next several years and seeing you out at the game. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, dude. Appreciate it.
4: Uh, my pleasure, my honor, and uh, you know, thanks again for all you're doing for the game. It's uh, way outside of the, the norm and really, really appreciate it. I know I speak for a lot of the listeners out there that it's, it's this kind of color and commentary that's not just about X's and O's about what really happens in and around the game and like we talked about earlier the byproduct of what happens when our kids strive to do uh, great things and they start to realize them so it's pretty special for sure and I appreciate it. Yeah the pleasure is mine the goose Ryan Finerty, and coming
3: up next Dean Cosby Team Snap's awesome I have five
0: teams on Team Snap there are no questions asked by the players the parents very easy to use very 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 easy
5: Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think TeamSnap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found.
0: Continue to learn and build your coaching resume by attending one of United Soccer Coaches' Winter Advanced Diplomas January 6th through the 10th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. United Soccer Coaches is conducting five advanced diplomas this January. The National, Advanced National, Premier, Advanced National Goalkeeping, and National Youth Diplomas. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education to learn more about these courses and get registered today.
3: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, telling
1: stories about the love of the game, the love of watching our kids play the game, any game for that matter. Gotta thank the great Brian the Goose, Finity, his son Owen now playing for Michigan. His story is so amazing. And now to see Owen doing it and his other son Josh doing it at Caltech. So cool. And what he's doing with his great complex there in Canton, Michigan, just outside of Detroit, Rock City, and what he's doing to help families and just really, really cool. And even the Goose said it best when we told him that Dean Koski was coming up and he's got three kids essentially with the team. One's a coach, one's scoring goals, another one's going to play next year. Got another kid coming in as a goalkeeper next year. So he'll essentially have four boys on the team or helping coach the team. It's just incredible at a high level. Lehigh is legit. Dean Koski in his 28th season now, 246 victories. And they play Pitt tonight in the NCA tournament. Just so cool. And, of course, I think back to the ties that I have with Dean, thanks to the United Soccer Coaches, then named NSCAA, the NSCA Game of the Week on Fox Soccer. That's when I got to meet Dean back in 2005 when Lehigh played at Bucknell. And Dean had a big viewing party back in Bethlehem where... They blew up the TV on the side of the house or whatever they did. It was incredible. And, of course, he's got a great name in Dean. I love your name, Dean. And I think because of that, we'll always be tied together. Dean Koski, the head coach of Lehigh 28 Seasons, he's got four amazing boys that are very close in age, and all four will be part of the team next year at Lehigh, which is just incredible, Dean. But we'll always have that tie, I think, my man. It's uh one that we'll never
5: forget, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. And, and you were so gracious to, 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 call, you know, to welcome all the people watching it on the side of my house. I think they projected the game. Uh, and you and know, I have just stayed connected since in some fashion. So, yeah, it's great to be on with you. Well, it
3: is. And ironically, we got reconnected because I did a Lehigh basketball game and I was like, I know who can help me. Gene Koski, because they only gave me a couple days and you piped me right into your great head coach who coached CJ McCollum. And then, boom, I learned about this incredible story of you having four boys. And I've talked a lot about on my show how much my favorite thing is to watch my boys play sports. Both of them are pretty good basketball players, and I miss that so much. And now you get to do it every day. And I'll tell people what I mean by that that is um, I'll actually read from a newspaper article that was not that long ago. It says, um, and it's the Bethlehem-Allentown-Easton paper. It's called The Morning Call. The headline says, Meet Lehigh's Soccer Crazed Kofsky's, who are competitive sons of dot, dot, dot. I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs because it sets the table. It says, from the top of the stairs that lead to his basement, Kosky probably listened to the conversation his four boys were engaged in. My wife and I could hear them down there doing whatever they were doing, Dean recalls, and someone starts to cry. All I could hear was one of the boys saying over and over, please don't involve the government. Please don't involve the government. And stop crying. They wanted to keep playing, and they knew the consequences If they involved the government, end quote, the government that the unruly brothers feared getting involved was, of course, mom and dad, dad being Dean, who's on the phone now. Dean and Lisa are the parents of four ultra-competitive, sports-centric sons, separated in age by fewer than five years, four of them, less than five years, and soccer, you may or may not know, is the family sport of choice, and they're all very good at it. Dean, as I told you earlier, the longtime head coach, the men's soccer team at lehigh university also alec the oldest is a student coach manager at lehigh now trevor and spencer the middle pair they play for lehigh who have made it as the patriot league champs as he's got dean does has lehigh back in the ncaa tournament they'll play pittsburgh tonight seven o'clock Dave Inovitz against dean koski i can't wait for that as well now you've got trevor and spencer on the team now and then blake The youngest and maybe the most talented is a senior standout goalkeeper at Liberty High School who will join Dean and his brothers next year at Lehigh. Among the quartet, that's quite an impressive collection of high-level talent from one family. Dean, for me, that's living the dream because there is nothing better than watching your kids play sports, I think. It's even better than the rush I get from calling – a high-level game like Lehigh, Virginia Tech, or like you said, Indiana versus Michigan, before we went on, and you—you you get a front-row seat. You actually coach your kids. One's a coach, and apparently the youngest is a big-time player as well. Put into words, how amazingly cool that is.
5: Well, it's it's, it's incredibly cool and certainly unexpected because there were there were years between the ages of 4 and 14 that my wife and I looked at one another and, and we would often say, what were we thinking, having four boys in five years? And and it's come to, to at least to some level of fruition as they're a little bit older and a little bit more mature and a little bit more adult-like. but. You know, having them, uh you know, be, be on Lehigh soccer team and in the program has been really special, and coaching them all through club has been special. I'm still coaching my son's team in club soccer, and this will be my last year uh with him. But, you know, in the club uh, space, but ultimately to be able to coach them at the college level and, and have them share the experience along with me, particularly a Patriot League championship, there's nothing like it. Well, as we told you,
3: Alex, the senior, performs many different duties as part of the Mountain Hawks coaching staff, and he hopes to remain involved in soccer. Trevor is a starting midfielder that's made it to the NCAA tournament as Patriot League champ. Spencer is a freshman in a transition year. And Blake, a goalie who will possibly start as a freshman next season at Lehigh, was recently voted the East Penn Conference's MVP. If that's not enough, you and your wife, which um, you're a lot older than your wife. Well done there, Dean. I understand you. you also met at a soccer outing. Tell us about that.
5: Well, we, we well, I was actually playing club soccer for men's adult team here in the Lehigh Valley, and the coach said, hey, why don't you guys all come up and bring your, your wives or girlfriends and come up to a Poconos and let's go skiing for a weekend? and so i brought my girlfriend and 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 my wife went along with one of my teammates uh and we met there for the first time and uh we certainly hit it off in terms of me. and i told her that i would bring my team in to read books in their classroom she was a kindergarten teacher and um and fortuitously you know the relationships that we were both in dissolved over time and i'd come into her classroom several times with my team to read books to her kindergarten kids and lo and behold you know three years later we're married
3: it's incredible and so you were 10 years older and here's how it went again i'm reading from this incredible article as i definitely need to give credit to the author as well as this article is fantastic and i'm sure i gotta believe you and lisa often look back at the article michael blouse did a great job please let michael know that we enjoyed it to, as a way to, to tell this story but uh, as it goes, particularly, I love hearing from your wife because it goes, boy, boy, boy. And after the third boy, your wife, Lisa, says she hoped for another boy. I'm quoting her. She said, it's funny. When the first one was a boy and then the second and third, I thought, what would a girl do in this family? <laughs> they were all immersed in sports and they'd run around the Lehigh locker room all year. It would have been tough for a girl, right?
5: hundred yeah, percent it would have been tough for a girl. But it might have been a, a good leveling factor for us because – you know, my wife just was surrounded by boys, me, and even our dog was a male. And I just, you know, I always felt like boys She just had some female companionship at times. And but she, she was a trooper. She really loved raising boys. She's, you know, was a tough love kind of mom. And uh, I think that she probably shaped. Much of their character more than I have relative to their discipline and their attention to things that need to have attention to. So, uh, as the matriarch of the family, I certainly would give her a lot more credit than I would give myself because candidly, I was really one of the boys when they grew up. <laughs> well, and she goes
3: on to say, again, quoting your wife, so said, the way it worked was they kind of came in pairs, Alex and Trevor, then Spencer and Blake. By the time Blake came along, they treated each other almost like they were all the same age. That meant Blake ended up being bossed around and being beat up. And that's also kind of like with parenting as well, right? When the last one comes along, you kind of just roll with it, right?
5: Oh, my gosh. I remember when our first born Alec, you know, something would drop on the floor, a piece of food, and he would bend down to pick it up. and like, no, don't, no, oh, no, no, no. We'd part in the trash, wipe his hands. By the time Blake came around, If he was eating out of the dog's dish, we'd be like, ah, he ate, he's fine. Leave him alone. So it's funny how you change as a parent, but I think it also makes you a better parent after you go through it four times.
3: We started this story about the government. Obviously, everybody listening figured out that the government was you and your lovely wife, Lisa. How long did that
5: last? You know, I think we were able to milk that for a couple years. You know, they were pretty young, and they didn't even understand what the government meant. They just knew – it wasn't a good thing that they involved the government. And what we tried to establish them is like, look, if you can't solve your issues yourself and you want to go to a higher authority, um, it's not always going to be what you want. You may think it's going to be good, but when you get sent to your rooms and you can't play at all, it doesn't really bode well for you guys. So, you know, after three or four times where they understood that coming up to us to cry or complain or, or tattletale is not going to help them solve the problem. so, The the common phrase that we used in our family was, sort it out. You need to sort it out. And as the article said, unless there was blood or a bone sticking through the skin, we wanted them to sort it out.
3: Also, you sorted out some priorities. One, you took responsibility for anything sports-related, introducing the tea team and the inevitable arguments that ensued, and then your wife would take charge of nurturing scholarly young gentlemen, and then two, academics took precedence over athletics. You were a teacher, an AD, prior to taking over the Lehigh soccer program, and your wife's in her 28th year as an educator in the Bethlehem Area School District and as a kindergarten teacher at Clearville Elementary, which is just fantastic. Three, they both were going to be involved in the boys' lives always, but the brothers were going to learn to take responsibility for their actions even at a young age. And when you talk about being involved in your boys' lives, that's one thing, but to now have them all be a part of your soccer program, particularly if it works out for your oldest son to be on staff next year, I, I mean, going back to what I said earlier, I just can't think of anything better, Coach.
5: No, it's it's certainly special, and you know, the one thing I would say to any any parents that are listening with younger kids is, while well, the the article really talks about, or at least the headline was soccer crazed family, we're well, really not because I didn't put my kids into organized sport, youth soccer, until they were ten. Uh, we made them play in the backyard with their friends and play pickup games of all sports. I didn't want them to specialize in anything. And, in fact, I tried to steer them away from soccer at a young age because I didn't want them to feel like they had to be in my I had a coach of a, a collegiate program. And and so I I think, for me, I just want them to love a sport, engage in a sport. And I think by starting them later, uh, they didn't get sucked into it at five six seven they did the soccer camps and they did basketball camps and they did all sports camps and they swam and you know they played street hockey and they did it all and I think we just demurred kids into sports too early and so the fact that it helped them out against a lot of people's advice and I thought I knew more than most people and now they've all turned out to really love the game and have had success at a higher level to me was the right decision for my well. wife, my family and what my wife and me.
3: I'm pretty excited that you've got one scoring goals. You got another one in transition here, and I'm pretty excited about you having one in goal. But I got to tell you, I'm just as impressed with Alec, particularly seeing you be a coach and him wanting to be around that. Because you know what, without great coaches, it's really hard to have great players, and that's even part of what United Soccer coaches are about. So, um, look, it's going to be easy to see Blake making great saves. And um, we'll probably have you back next year to talk about how he's doing. But just talk about how impressed you are with how much Alec has helped you with this team.
5: You know, Alec, uh, you know, went through a period in high school when he was a junior and senior realizing that, you know, that he wasn't the best player and he wasn't starting as a senior. And I think he had to come to that that moment in his life, that signature moment, where he had to be self-aware. And once he understood that, yeah, college probably is certainly at the Division one level is not going to be – the fit for me what can I do to stay involved in the game and when I presented the idea of being a student coach manager it was you know he's like oh, okay you know wasn't thrilled about it but once he was there and immersed into it he just had done everything he could to be a feel part of the team and to be there every day and to travel with the team and the thing that was was really most exciting for me is when we won the championship the other night he was more excited than his brothers were like he was ecstatic and I said Alec what's going on and he said dad this is one of the best moments of my life like I'm sharing championship with all my friends you know he lives with the soccer guys my brothers like he really 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 loved winning that championship and he felt a part of that and good for him like he didn't he didn't put himself as an outlier ever he felt like he was part of the team and and that's what a coach does. Like you know, you feel you're, you're celebrating for everybody else and helping everybody else. So I was certainly very proud of him in that moment.
3: Were there any of the boys, including um, the the one that's playing right now, was there in scoring goals for you? Was, did they ever consider playing soccer somewhere else other
5: than for Dean Koski? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we made them go look at other schools. Uh, they were recruited by other schools. Um, uh, I think it was important to visit the campuses and, this, and to meet the coaches and to get some, have some context uh, because they only grew up in the shadows of Lehigh. Uh, honestly, what was most interesting to me is that when they first did a tour of Lehigh's academic side campus, uh, and all their lives they had no idea that that really existed because all they really knew was my office Taylor gym which was the basketball gym and the climbing wall and the squash courts and the swim pool and the athletic facilities so i'd never really walked them around campus and they were so taken by the you know <laughs> the buildings and the classrooms and the library and they were like that we didn't even know this existed so i think once they saw that and realized it was a new going to be a new experience for them They were like, no, this is where I really want to go. And so we tried to expose them to other options. But honestly, when you look at the school at Lehigh and its academic reputation and a chance to either be a part of the soccer team or play the soccer team, it was a no-brainer for them at some point.
3: So the inevitable question is how do you deal with the fact that you also have X number of other players in the room that don't have Koski on – the back of their jersey or on their coaching uh, tablet like your one son has. That, that's got to be an important issue that you're dealing with all the time, right, because you know that they're watching how you coach them, right, and how you're working with them. That's got to be an important part of what you're doing. I know I know the godfather had to do it with Todd when he played there, and now Todd has his son on Indiana, and now you're going to have four <laughs> involved in some way. So you've got to be self-aware of that, right, Coach?
5: I'm keenly aware of that and it's, it was, I was, it it hurt them in club soccer because in club soccer there were times I didn't start them or play them because I was the only person making the decision. And and even if they were one of the better players on the team, I would treat them like everybody else because I certainly didn't want anyone to think that I was favoring my kids and I certainly didn't want my kids to feel that way. In college it's a little bit different. It's, It's certainly, there's a lot of pressure about winning. And one, the fact that Alec is on the team and not a player on the team gives me credibility because I I didn't recruit him uh, and told him he wasn't good enough. Trevor didn't play as a freshman, um, played, you know, sparingly as a sophomore. Spencer hasn't played at all as a freshman. And I have a coaching staff here at the college level that I can rely upon to make sure that I'm being objective both sides of it. You know, sometimes you're hard on your own kid. And so I think when you have all those things lined up, it just makes it easier for me and my coaching staff to make the right decisions in the best interest of the team. And so I never feel like I'm making a decision on my own. And any time that, you know, if I'm saying, look, I don't think Trevor's ready, and three of them are saying, no, you're wrong, being he is, I'm going to hear that. Or if I'm saying, hey, I think I think Trevor's ready, and they're like, no, he's not, I'm going to hear that too. So it it helps having a professional coaching staff next to you so that you can check in with. But I, I, I think that I've done a, a reasonable job of managing that relationship, not only with my players, but with the rest of the team.
3: And talk about the
5: job that they've done, manage
3: it, because that's also a whole lot of pressure, Dean. You gotta know that, right? A ton of pressure on your Koski boys.
5: I think so. And I think there's certainly gonna be moments when, you know, players are gonna be you know, critical of me, like all players would be if they're not playing or, you know, I'm hard on them and I'm sure they have vented with my sons. I know they have vented with my sons, but I've said to my sons, I don't want to know that. That's, that's a personal relationship and personal information that you are taking in from one of your teammates. You, I want their allegiance to be to their teammates, not to me. And, and to be good listeners and, and to understand that it's okay that if players are unhappy with me or frustrated with me, or even don't like me, that that's okay. I'm not hurt by that or offended by that. That's part and parcel to my job as a college coach, and they should never take that personally because they aren't me, that they have to just go be their teammate uh, and and be a player on this team. And, and I think they've all managed that pretty well.
3: What about your wife? What does she think of all of this? What does she think of this from your perspective as being the husband, and what does she think of it as the mom of these four wonderful
5: boys? Uh, well, uh, she would say that she gets tired of coming home and all the time TV is soccer all the time. Uh, and while she loves me and loves my sons, uh, she's like, uh, can I have the clicker? And we're like, no, no, the soccer game on or football game, whatever. So, uh, but I think she has embraced, you know, the notion of being not, she never saw herself as a soccer mom. Because she'd be the she'd be the when I was travelling or playing my team and the kids were at club soccer, I'd say keep me posted on the score and she would text me the score and nine out of ten time, it nine out of ten times it was wrong. She had no idea what the score was. And and because she would be talking to her friends and having conversation. But I think that kind of balance was really good for our boys because she never got caught into the winning or playing time or she doesn't know the game and honestly I think her separation from really understanding the game and really wanting to understand it has been really healthy for my boys because she'll just say hey were you cold in that game or you know why was that boy wearing jewelry or whatever and so i think our kids really appreciated that she wasn't this 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 over obsessed soccer mom that was all about results and playing time like she never really cared about any of that other than that kids were having a good experience They're being respectful to their coaches, even when it wasn't me, uh, and even when it was me, and that they were growing and learning from it. So I think it worked out really well for all of us and continues to work out well. You're hearing the voice and the wisdom and the great story of Dean
3: Cosby, longtime coach at Lehigh, Patriot League champs. They play Pittsburgh tonight in the first round of the NCAA tournament as you've got Lehigh back in there, And, and I emphasize that because, at the end of the day you've got two amazing loves that have made this work you've got your love for your family and you've got your love for Lehigh because it says a lot about what Lehigh has meant to you for you for you to be able to pull this off Dean
5: yeah look you know any time that you can stay at a place where you work for more than two decades and close to three decades now uh, it's pretty rare and not only in, in athletics but it's, I think rare in corporate America and I, I think it speaks volumes about lehigh and how i feel about lehigh and their mission and vision it, it speaks volumes about the people i've surrounded myself with in this community here uh, you know in bethlehem so i've never looked elsewhere because i don't believe the grass is greener and uh, i'd like to certainly retire here uh, god willing for another 10 years because it's really afforded me to, came into lehigh as a single guy at 31 years of age and here I am 20 years later married four kids and three of them are on my team and, and others coming there so in many ways that it's a dream come true I wouldn't say that I dreamt about it but man I feel really blessed to, to be able to have you know be a head coach at Lehigh and have my sons here and just just recently winning a Patriot championship with three of them you know they're right on the bench and that's that's really really special to me.
3: Allie, Trevor, Spencer, and Blake. It's not going to be easy trying to knock off Pittsburgh, but soccer is one of those things where you see Giants get slayed a lot, and, you know, Pittsburgh's relatively new to being there as well. So, I mean, you certainly have an opportunity to get something done. What's got to go right to beat a very good team from the ACC?
5: You know, I, I think you're right. I think you are a very good team, and, and a lot has to go right for us. And so we just have to make sure that we have the right frame of mind uh, going out there and being relaxed and play the way that we've been playing all season. There's not a lot that we need to do at this point, or certainly we're not going to change much. So uh, I, I think we just have to go and be ourselves and be the best version of ourselves. And if we can do that, Um, then we'll have a shot. If if we try to be different than who we are or get caught up in the moment of the NCAA tournament, then I think it'll be a struggle for us.
3: Finally, Coach, as we tell the story about your family and how you met your wife at a soccer outing and now Alex, Trevor, Spencer, and Blake, and you think about uh, the ties that uh, bind us with the then-named NSCA family, now United Soccer Coaches family. It really is a great unifier, right, for all of us, And, and this, even you and I being reconnected, it's through United Soccer Coach. It's pretty cool,
5: right? My my closest friends uh, today uh, were through soccer, and and I'm talking 35, 40 year relationships, friendships that you know, have endured over the years since so soccer introduced me to my wife. And soccer has been a big part of this family, and it's a big part of my life is my vocation and avocation. And I've met. Some incredibly special people, yourself included, uh, as a result of being in this game, and I'll continue to meet great people. And so I'm, I feel really fortunate to to be in the career that I am, and and to be around this game that I I've loved from the time I first kicked the ball when I was in sixth grade. So I hope to continue it, and I know that I'm going to meet you know special people like you in the future. And I just want to stay connected with those that care about the game as much as I do.
3: Dean Koski, I wish you and the entire Koski family and the Lehigh Mountain Hawks soccer team the best of success tonight against Pittsburgh and in the future. A fascinating story. I'm so grateful as well for introducing me to Dr. Brett Reed for the Lehigh basketball game and your willingness to to help an old friend. And, uh, Dean, great to reconnect with you. Thanks so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
5: Dean, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure of mine, and I look forward to our next interaction perfect two wonderful
1: stories I am smiling from ear to ear and I hope you are too each and every one of you listening I thank you for listening I thank you for appreciating this platform I thank the United Soccer Coaches for the United Soccer Coaches podcast a whole lot of fun I want to thank Michael Kniffer, Sean Chevrolet, Lynn Burling-Manuel and all those other great people at United Soccer Coaches and again each and every one of their great members We'll see you same time, same channel next week as we get you updated on all of the NCAA tournaments at every level. We'll start talking to
3: some champions as well.